So we are, in fact, wrapping up this series this morning, titled The Kingdom of Heaven. We've been spending uh, our time here in the, the Gospel of Matthew throughout the summer, and so today we are wrapping up this series, uh, known as Kingdom of Heaven, as we've been looking at different parables in Matthew and, and ways that Jesus teaches us about the way that the Kingdom of Heaven works, right? And, and he's answered lots of different questions as we've looked at these different parables throughout the last few weeks. Um, but next week, we will be starting a new series, and we're going to be moving on from the Gospel of Matthew and uh, into the seri- a new series out of Revelation titled, When Jesus Went to Church. So we're going to be uh, reading the, the first few chapters of Revelation, and there, literally, Jesus uh, t- identifies specific churches, in fact, seven different specific churches, that, that, and about the good things that were there and the things they needed to improve on. And so we're going to be examining those churches week by week. And as we see that and seeking the Lord on, on Lord, what are we doing well, right? And what can we do better as a church? Uh, and so we're going to uh, open up that series. And like I said, it's, it's very uh, um, eye-opening, I think, as we look at these different, uh, these different churches. And, and it's not just for the churches, but I think also just it's, again, the gospel message is entwined in all of them. And, and as we look at, again, that is the mission of the church, right? The Great Commission is to spread the gospel. And so I just encourage you as we um, kick off, you know, unofficial kickoff of fall, right, of after this weekend of Labor Day weekend, as we move into se- deeper into September and through the fall months, and um, is just I encourage you to be thinking and praying about, again, what, what you can do better in your faith. And again, part of that is, is inviting people to come with you to church or inviting them to know Jesus as their Savior or just show, again, by showing them in your life and, and actually making the invitation, right, for them to come. And so, uh, again, this series, I think this would be a great one to have somebody come and to hear, even for the first time, who God is and, and, and the role he has in our lives. And so uh, I encourage you, whether in person, whether online, right, to invite others right, into, to come and hear these messages. And these are, again, great ones to, to have them hear. And so as we wrap up today, we are going to be in, in Matthew uh, chapter 22. But before we do that, again, we just see the that Jesus opens up this section of the gospel that focuses on the kingdom of heaven on these parables. So we're going to kind of start with uh, our theme verse for this series, Matthew 13, 11, and 16, where Jesus says, you're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. And, and I hope that through this series, through these last few weeks of studies of these parables, that, that your eyes have been opened, right? That, that your ears have heard the things of God's kingdom and and how that he truly is our king, right? That he is the only lasting king. It is that kingdom that will last forever, right? And that as we serve him and as we follow uh, his will for our lives, that, that we, again, can understand the things of heaven and, and God's will for our lives, right? And as we, we have looked at these different parables, we are going to end today with the parable of the great feast, which is found in Matthew chapter 22, Verses 1 through 14. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Matthew chapter 22. If you're with us here in person, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats. If you don't have your own, you're welcome to use those Bibles, and you'll you'll notice the page numbers included or where you can find it in those Bibles. If you're with us online, if you have your Bible close to you, you can open up uh, and read it with us. If not, that's fine. You can just listen as I read it, but we're going to read this parable, uh, these first 14 verses of chapter 22 where it says, Jesus told them other parables, and he said, 
The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared, the bulls and fattened cattle have been killed, and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had in, invited ignored them and went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious. He sent out his army to destroy the murderers and to burn their town. And he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready. And the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now go out to the secret corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. And then the king said to his aides, bind his hands, his feet, and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Now, as we read this, this story, again, this is, this is a story, it's a parable, and a parable is a story that, that is used to illustrate bigger concepts, deeper meanings. And, and we see, again, Jesus uh, in this group of parables just tells us that these parables are teaching us about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and yet, as we look at this one, this, this parable uh, originally was spoken to, to Pharisees and to the religious leaders of the time. That is the, 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 the specific audience of this story. In fact, it is right in the middle of a bunch of questions that were presented to Jesus designed to trip him up, to challenge his authority, to see if he really was the wise teacher that he claimed to be. Right? And, and, and here, Jesus tells this story right, about this great feast. And, and it's important that we realize again and see the bigger context of this section of the gospel, that, that this is what the Pharisees and the religious leaders were trying to do. They were trying to trick Jesus. They were testing him. Right? And yet Jesus uses this story right, to answer the most basic question about the kingdom of heaven. Not just for them, but for all of us, right? for everyone. In fact, as you see in this story, right, he says, everyone is invited. <laughs> right? And that is, is very important, but we'll get there in a minute. Right, but, but first, we must realize that, again, Jesus answers the most basic question of the kingdom of heaven. And we think about whether it's for the Pharisees and religious leaders, or whether it's for us, as we, we look at even this whole series and all these parables that we look at, it's the most basic question about the kingdom of heaven, and that is, who is included? Right, who gets to come? Who's invited? And as we look at this, again, this literally sums up, I mean, all of them, right? I mean, that's the number one question. Do I get to go into God's kingdom or not? Right? And we even looked at last week, right, the sheep and the goats, and how, again, many will think they're going, and yet God's going to separate at judgment. Right? And, and saying, are you a sheep or a goat? And, and again, the, the point that we've seen in all of these parables, right, is that not everybody's included, and as much as we want to believe that, right, that, 
everybody gets to go to heaven no matter what. The, the, Jesus is very clear in his teaching that that's not true. Maybe we learned last week, right, that, that his will, right, God's will is that every human is included, right, but, and God has made a way for that. And I think as we, we learn that in this parable, but, but yet we also know that, that not everybody will be included. And, and, and yet we learn from this parable, right, from this great feast that, that just, the, again, the summary lesson of, of this story that Jesus gives us in verse 14 is, is the fact that many are called, but few are chosen. Right? Many are called. In fact, that's one of the lessons of this. We're going to see that in this parable, right? That, that everybody's invited to the banquet. Right, many, many are called. Right, again, I will tell you again, if, 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 you're, if you're breathing, right, if, if you're alive, God loves you and he's called you. He's set the table. Right, he's inviting you to come into his kingdom. But the, the really comes down, as we see from this parable, the, what really the deciding factor is how do we respond to the invitation. Right? And we see many are called, right? For many are called. In fact, as we learn from this fair, all are called, right? That is God's will, right? Is that humankind will all come to the banquet. We will be the bride of his son. We will celebrate that relationship. Right? But yet, as Jesus says, few were chosen, meaning that, again, that few make it, right? Because um, we are chosen, right? But yet, we have to choose as well to receive what God has offered. Again, this parable is given in the context of a wedding feast. This is a symbolism of the church as the bride of Christ. This is symbolism, again, of, of the marriage um, you know, story and, and um, illustration is used all throughout Scripture. In fact, even when we look at, at God's design of the earthly marriage, of the... the, the Likely, right, is the most intimate, close relationship you will ever have on earth, right, is with your spouse. And this is, is, to, is meant to illustrate, right, the relationship God desires with each of us as his believers. Right, the closest, most intimate relationship you can have right, is supposed to be with God, right? It's, it, we use the symbolism of marriage, and, and again, I will tell you, this parable is 100% talking about salvation, Right, Jesus is describing a messianic ball, and we're all invited. But yet, as we see, we have all kinds of different reactions to that invitation. Now, as we look at verse 3, we see that, that, that there, there was an invitation sent out long before the event, and this was very customary for this time. I know, like today, in fact, we, even in my years as a pastor, I've watched kind of the trends in weddings change, right? It's shifted. In fact, you know, it, it, again, I, the first weddings that I did as a young pastor were always in the church, right? And, and the, the, the church building was transformed for kind of the entire weekend, right, as, as we had the celebration, and, and yet it's shifted now, right, to where, in fact, I, I've only done, I think, one wedding, in this sanctuary since I've been here in the last six years. Now, I've done a lot of weddings, 
right? But they're, they're in different venues, right? Or in people's houses or backyards or different places. And again, we see these trends of weddings shift, right? At, from, from different times. But again, the customary time there was that the wedding feast, right, was, was not just a one-day event. I mean, this was, this was an all-out party for several days. In fact, we see throughout Scripture, we see different times where Jesus and the disciples even attended some of these bashes. Right? And, and yet we see here uh, that, that these were, they were invited long before the event, and, and then um, the customary um, you know, of their culture was to just then remind all of those uh, that were, had already been invited and confirm that they're coming on the day of the event. Right? When it was all prepared, it was ready for them, then you get the reminder and say, hey, it's time to come. Now, as we see here, again, Jesus is speaking specifically to the religious leaders, right, and to the Pharisees and to the Israelites of the time. And, uh, and so they were the ones that were, had been invited. They had accepted the covenant with long before the Messiah had come. They had, had embraced this connection with God, right, that they had received the invitation. That's who was invited long before the banquet was ready, right? And in fact, you look at all the Old Testament scriptures, all pointing forward towards the cross, towards the Messiah. Right? And God's chosen people of Israel, right, had been invited to this banquet. And yet once he arrived, right, when the banquet was ready, right, the Messiah came, they refused to come. But yet that was one of the prophecies, wasn't it, right? That he would be rejected by his own people. Right? That they would look at the banquet and say, no thanks. We've got better things to do. Right? And we see here that in verses 5 and 6, that there were two specific reactions by the invited guests. Right? Some of them just ignored it. Right? Others actually sabotaged it. Right, and then we see, as the, as the story continues, as we see these reactions of the invited guests, then we realize that the banquet guests are different than expected. Right, the king expected you know, these certain people to come. They had been pre-invited, they had been ready, they been prepared for them. And then, but yet, the actual guests of the banquet that show up are very different than the king expected. Or than anybody expected. Right, and yet... We see here that Jesus is calling out the judgment of Israel, or the judgment of his chosen nation. And, and, and because of their rejection, right, it is now, then everybody now is invited right, to this banquet. Now, being invited is an honor. Right? It is something that, that people look forward to, right? It's, again, to be, to be invited to this banquet was, was a, a status symbol of sorts. Now, that we look at, interesting as we look at this, notice though who do does end up being invited and who actually even comes. Verses 9 and 10 of this parable are very interesting, right? Because it says, right, that, that the, the master, he goes out to the street corners and he invites everyone that they see. That was the instructions, right? Invite everyone you see. Nobody is excluded. And then in verse 10, he says, and so they brought in, and who came? It was the good and the bad alike. Right? They all came. 
Okay, and yet this, again, gives us a, a very important detail of the gospel, right? Is that it doesn't matter where you're at or your status in life or in society, whether you're a good person or a bad person, you are invited to the feast, right? You don't have to change who you are to come. You just have to show up, right? That the king has already paved the way for you. I just say, again, what, no matter what you think, right, you are not too bad for God to love. Right? You have not done anything in your past that cannot be redeemed by the blood of the Son. The good and the bad alike are all invited. You don't have to change to come. And then we see as we look through the rest of the story, right, the conclusion right, of verse 14, where he says, many are called but few are chosen. It, in fact, when we look at these, these Greek words that are used here, right, for called, it says, uh, it's this word kaleo, and it's just uh, defined as invited or appointed. Again, all are called. Many are called. You have been called by God to come to the feast. You've been appointed by God, chosen by God. And then he says, though, this, but few are chosen. And, and chosen, this Greek word is selected, chosen, elected as a favorite. Now, again, God's will is that everybody gets chosen. Right? Again, that's the core of the gospel message. And, and yet, he says, few are because few embrace the invitation. Now, the interesting thing as well is the guest list changed dramatically, right, from God's chosen people, and yet what didn't change was the expectations of the host, right? The expectations of the host didn't change with the guest list, right? The guest list changed, but not the expectations of the king, right? We, we see that um, in verses 11 through 13, right? We see in, in verse Verse 11, he says, But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. A friend, he asked, How is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Now again, this, this is, these are very interesting verses as well. Okay, what's the significance of the wedding clothes? Okay, and, and yet there was, again, there was a certain um, expectation that you would come, that you would be prepared, you would be dressed appropriately and come to this feast. And, and again, these wedding clothes were specifically needed and expected by the host. As we think about the significance of this, right, we, we realize that, again, the people that had been invited, originally invited, were, were, had plenty of preparation time and, and warning for that it, that it was coming. And so, you know, they would have prepared their clothes. Now, the guests that actually showed, right, didn't get this, this lead time. Right? And yet, we see from this verse, right, that everybody at the feast, except for one, was dressed appropriately. So this, again, implies, right, that, that even on short notice, right, every single person had their wedding clothes on except for one. 
which implies, right, that the king had supplied everything they needed. They didn't have to change themselves. They didn't have to repair everything they needed to be there and, and, and properly dressed and, and participating in the banquet had been provided for them. Everything you need to grow in your faith and to become like Jesus has been provided for you. Right? You just have to show up. And, but yet when you show up, you also have to accept the clothes, right? And you got to do your part of changing your clothes, right? And, and getting yourself, right, to be uh, properly ready to be in the presence of the king. Again, it's implied that the king had supplied the clothes, Right? If this wasn't true, right, then the man would have had a valid reply. Right? But he didn't. He said he had no reply. Right? Because if the king hadn't provided for them, his reply was, I don't have any wedding clothes. Right? But notice he didn't say that, did he? He had no excuse. Because he knew that the king had provided everything he needed. Right? And again, there was no valid excuse for why he hadn't put on the clothes. Other than his own free will. Right? Of not wanting to go in all the way. I mean, this man had shown up. Right? But literally, that's all he had done. Right? He wanted the benefits of being at the feast. Right? Without the work that, that he himself had to put in. Now again, it wasn't hard work. All he had to do was change his clothes. Right, but he didn't do that. He had no reply. And in fact, when we think about this and, and the significance of the wedding clothes, the reality is that embracing the Christian life has long been seen as putting on new clothes. Okay, this is not a new analogy. That changing clothes is like leaving the old life behind and putting on the new, your new Christian identity. Right, we see this, again, even the, the prophet Isaiah, right, thousands of years before Jesus came, talked about this concept. Isaiah 61.10, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in the robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels, right? This sounds very familiar to what Jesus describes in his parable, doesn't it? Right, have you put on right, the clothes that God has provided you the clothes of righteousness, the clothes of obedience, the clothes of salvation. Have you left your old life behind right, and put in the effort it takes to put on a new set of clothes right, and, and to move forward right, in your new identity as a, as a Christ follower? Now notice, again, like I said, this parable is 100% about salvation. Notice the punishment for not putting on the clothes. It was pretty severe. Right? He was thrown out into outer darkness. Again, this is describing the final judgment. I mean, the same thing we looked at last week, right? This was a goat amongst a whole bunch of sheep. Right? And as we see that and we, we realize that, right, we, we understand that, again, at this time, at the final judgment, there was no grace given to this man. Now, grace had been offered long before this moment. Everybody had been invited. You can come as you are, right? But you got to put on the clothes to stay. And yet, 
no grace is given. He was bound and excluded. As you can probably already tell, there are all kinds of lessons to learn from this parable. The first one I want to identify, the first lesson we can learn from this, is we need to examine our reaction to God's invitation. Examine your own heart. Examine your own life. What is my reaction to the king? Because you've been invited. You are invited. What's your reaction? Again, within this parable, we see very three distinct and different reactions to God's invitation. The the first reaction was it was ignored completely. As it says, one went to his farm, one went to his business, right? Saying, oh, I don't have time for that. Thanks, but no thanks. I'm busy. Now, we all experience that, don't we? We're all busy. And yet, do we just ignore God's invitation? Say, nope, I'm, I'm good on my own. I don't need your banquet. But then the, this, we see that, again, from just ignoring it. I mean, rejecting it, right, but ignoring it, just going about your life, saying, I, I don't need the king. I don't need the banquet. Right? The, the, the second reaction was, was also one of rejection, but it was at a whole different level, right? The, the second reaction was those that actually persecuted the messengers. Again, the king's people were sent out to invite everybody, right? This is, again, very representative of what the church, we as the church are supposed to do. We're supposed to invite more people to the banquet. Say, come and eat. Jump in, the water's fine. Right? In fact, it's better than fine. Right? It's the best it could ever be. Right, coming in, and yet we see this same reaction today, right? Is, is that those get persecuted for standing up for the king? If you don't think this is true, just turn on the news. This is absolutely as, as true today as it ever has been. And I will tell you again, as, as in our American culture, we have no idea what persecution is. And as we, as we see these two reactions, these are both reactions of rejection. And yet we see, again, all throughout Scripture that, that this, this persecution ha- has always run rampant. In fact, the, the, uh, the, the first disciples, right, the, the, the first century church was persecuted incredibly heavily. In fact, if you just go, go through the Gospels and through the Acts, Right, you see the first generational church is that, that, that following Jesus literally was signing your death note in a lot of ways. Just like it still is today in a lot of countries around our world. Right, persecution has always happened and it always will. And that the, yet, this, again, these, these two rejections of the invitation we're not the only reaction. We also see the, the third reaction that is given, and that is the participation. Like the ones that showed up, right? The ones that, that took the invitation, they showed up, they put on the clothes, they were there. And I 
that was there that didn't participate, right? He participated to a certain level, right? A level that he was probably comfortable with, right? He had a little bit of God in his life. He says, I'll, I'll taste the food, but I'm not willing to go all the way. Now, the reality is we look at these three reactions and we see these reactions in our world today, don't we? Right? This has not changed. And yet, the challenge for us is to say, what is my reaction to God's invitation? Now, I hope just the fact that you're here, you're watching online, right, shows that, that you're not at, at least at the, the two, first two, right, that you're not completely rejecting it. I, uh, now, but the invitation is to participate, to go all in. Right? And again, we see that. Again, we learn, right, the next lesson, we already kind of talked about it, but, but we see that, that the kingdom of heaven is not limited to just good people. Right? It's, it's not just good people. As we, again, we saw in, in verses 9 and 10 in the parable, right? The good and the bad alike were all invited. Right? And in fact, we see even some of the bad ones showed up, right? And they, they ate a little bit, right, of the feast, but, but yet they didn't go in all the way. Again, we see this is the most foundational truth of the gospel message. In Romans 5, 6, and 8, it says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Again, I encourage you to underline that last phrase, right? Christ died when we were still sinners. The good and the bad alike, they all are invited to the banquet. Right? But the true invitation is that we're all made good. Right? That even if you start out bad when you show up to the banquet, right, you can put on the clothes. Right? Just like we sang in that last song, you'd be transformed from the inside out. Right? And the clothes become the outward you know, evidence right, of the inward change. Right? And we see that, and we're all invited to that. And yet, that is why our core value number four as a church is that everyone is welcome on the journey because that is the foundation of the gospel. I'll tell you, you are invited no matter where you are in your life. God will take you exactly the way you are, but he also does not want to leave you the same. Right, which leads us to the next big lesson of the feast, and that is if we come to the feast, we are expected to be transformed and participate. Right? We are supposed to be transformed and participate because this is the thing about this banquet is you don't leave the banquet the same as when you showed up. Right? You are, we have to participate and be transformed by the love of the king. Everything you need has been provided for you. Again, we go back to this, this one man, right, that wasn't wearing the clothes. Again, he had no reply. Again, this is very key, right? He had no excuse, right? All he did was show up. He had all the same chances as everyone else surrounded by him, and yet he didn't partake. He didn't participate. He held back. And yet we all must take this warning. 
right, that we have to continue journeying. No matter where we're at in our faith, we have to continue journeying. We have to continue growing. Right? And, and again, in those times when we think that we're good, right, is those times when we need God the most. Right? In fact, we get this warning from Paul in, in his letter to the, to the Corinthians in verse 10, verses 12 and 13. He says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure. Again, everything you need has been provided for you. Right? But yet, you have to do your part. Right? God will show you the way out, but you have to change your clothes. Right? You have to take the out that God gives you. Right? And you have to choose to keep growing in your faith right? and make that commitment and saying, I'm not going to camp. I'm not going to just sit and let the, you know, drift in my faith. I am going to move forward on purpose every day. I'm going to be more like Christ tomorrow than I am today. Right? I'm going to be moved forward in that. I'm going to consume the things of God. I'm going to move towards contributing right? and to keep my faith moving and, and start that ongoing cycle in my life right? where I'm consuming and contributing and God shows me new things and I fulfill his will right? and I do everything that the king asked me to do. That we eat what's been provided, but we have to choose to eat. Again, I believe that one of the biggest temptations we all face is the temptation to settle and stay where we are. Right? The temptation to let off the gas in my faith. Right? And we can't give in to that. Right? This wedding celebration is just the start of a new life. As, as we know, right, the wedding, it gets a celebration of, of the new life that this couple's going to have, right? But we know that the wedding isn't where it stops, is it? Right? In fact, the wedding is the setup, right, to the lifestyle change that follows. In fact, the marriage is way more important than the wedding. And you know what? The marriage is also way harder than the wedding, Right? The, the, but the marriage, again, is what God wants. Right? He invites us to the feast, right? to the wedding feast, but what he wants is a relationship with you. As I said, the marriage right, is full of all kinds of ups and downs. Different seasons of closeness and, and seasons of growth right? and, and seasons of struggles right? and all those things, but we fight through it. And yet, again, it's, it's, an, it's a very good illustration of what your walk with Jesus, your faith journey, is like. But we got to stay committed and we got to keep growing. Right? And, and, and again, invest into this relationship. God has invited you to the best feast that you can ever imagine. Are you eating that feast? Are you participating fully? Again, maybe you've never eaten or experienced the love of God. Hey, maybe you're here today, here, or you're watching online, or you're listening to this sermon at some time, and you've never received Christ as your Savior. Now, you've never accepted the invitation to the feast. 
If that's you today, if, if you've never even joined the journey of faith, I encourage you to, to pray, to confess with your mouth, and, and pray in your heart, right, and receive Jesus as your Savior, and join the journey of faith. Come to the feast. You've been invited. The king loves you. You don't have to change to come. Just show up. Pray and accept Christ as your Savior. And once you join the journey of faith, though, are you continuing to partake? Are you continuing to, to participate? Are you eating the feast that God has provided for you? Are you working on, on the marriage, right, on the relationship? Because the reality, this is, again, 100% about salvation, but it's not just about salvation. This parable is not just about you getting to heaven, but it's truly about you enjoying the journey right, while you are here on earth. Right? And once you've joined the journey, I'll challenge you, are you in the journey? Are you all in? You know, literally the other day we were talking, I was talking with my wife because we have our car stickers and the one on the back of my truck has been on the back of my truck for a long time. And in fact, um, the J and the O has like fallen off on the back of my window because it said join the journey. But now on the back of my truck, it says in the journey. Right? And, and I, I haven't changed it because I keep seeing that and I'm like, you know what? I like, I think, I think I like that. Right? And to say, if you join the journey, I'll say, are you in the journey? Yeah, are you still pursuing it? Are you growing? Are you moving forward? God has invited you. And once you accept the invitation, then eat. Eat deeply the things of God. The table's been set. Will you engage? Which means my final thought today, and that's this. We're all invited to be the bridge, or the, the bride of Christ, and participate in the wedding banquet. What will be your response to the invitation? Will you reject it by ignoring it? Will you reject it by persecuting those that are there? Right? Or will you participate in the banquet? I don't know where you're at in your journey today, but I hope that you will come to the banquet and you will eat and you will eat deep of the things of the king as our worship team leads us in a closing song I just encourage you to respond to the truth of God's word this morning are you coming to the kingdom of heaven you've been invited and as you accept that invitation you can I encourage you to pray and to, to commit yourself to whatever God's calling you to do Lord God as we offer our hearts to you this morning God we we accept the invitation to come to the banquet, God. We thank you for telling us what's true, for showing us what's true. God, then knowing that, that your spirit is with us. God, knowing that we don't have to change to come to your feast, but God, you change us when we get there. Lord, we thank you for providing everything we need, God, to, to learn who you are, to be more like you every day. And God, we pray that as we go, Lord, that you will help us to feast on your love. God, to feast on your grace and your mercy. God, and that, that we would be truly transformed by your spirit. God, that we would be set free. And God, as we go this week and as, as we participate in the banquet, God, may we show this world who you really are by our faith and our love for you. God, we will do our part. 
And God, we will be more like you tomorrow than we are today. And God, we will invite and we will share and we will we'll bring others to the banquet with us. God, we thank you that we're all invited. And Lord, guide us as we go this week, as we live our faith. God, as we eat and feast deeply on your love every day. Guide us as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.